Our scripture today is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. But because of his great grace, God, who in rich and mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of work so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is the most important word in the Bible? What is the most common word in the New Testament? What is the word that best describes, interprets, and communicates Jesus Christ? The longer you're a Christian, what is the word that is increasingly important and meaningful in your life? Of course, that word is grace. The Greek word for grace is charis. That word actually means unmerited favor. The apostle John declared grace came by Jesus Christ. The incarnation of God's son, his obedient suffering, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection, and glorious second coming declares God in grace to all of us. The well-known acrostic which best defines the word is God's riches at Christ's expense. John Newton was the son of a sea captain who traveled the Mediterranean. His mother died when he was six, and with only two formal years of school, he joined his father's ship at the age of 11. His early life was one of immorality, debauchery, and failure. His father rejected him. He was constantly in trouble with employers and finally jailed. In his later years, he served on a slave ship. It was during this time that he incurred the hatred of the ship's captain's wife, so much so that he became a slave of slaves. John was brought to his senses by reading Thomas Kempis' book, Imitation of Christ. His actual conversion was a result of a violent storm at sea 
where he almost lost his life. At the age of 39, John Newton became a minister and gave the rest of his life to serving God in the church. The song Amazing Grace is actually a testimony of John Newton's life. And though they tell us the last stanza of the hymn was not actually written by Newton, I think he would agree it is a fitting climax to his testimony. Late in his ministry, when his memory was fading, someone suggested that he should retire. This was his reply. My memory is almost gone, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. What a fitting climax to this man, John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, tells us of four aspects of God's grace as found in the scriptures. First of all, there is saving grace. And we read that in verses 9 through 10. Oh, a saving grace, do you experience it today? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. There are two aspects of Christ's saving grace. One, he saves us from the wrath that was upon our sin. Christ took our sin upon himself and experienced God's judgment as he died on the cross. There are two obstacles that keep people from receiving God's grace. One, an unwillingness to accept their sin and guilt. Few will admit that they are, as the song says, a wretch. Isaac Watts' song at the cross originally stated, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? To make that more acceptable, the verse was changed for such a sinner as I. We must accept our sinfulness and need before God. The other problem is that we want to help God out. Salvation is not what Christ did, plus what I can do, but grace, plus nothing. The Bible forcibly states that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I can do nothing, it's all by grace. Not of works, lest any man should boast, 
not the labor of my hands can fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal no rest but no? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. The other aspect of saving grace is that our God saves us to a new life, a life of purpose, a life of meaning. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Charles Allen was a former pastor of Houston's First Methodist Church. He told the story one time. An outcast beggar was sitting across the street from an artist's studio. The artist saw him and quickly began to paint his portrait. When he was finished, he called the beggar over and looked at him. First, the beggar did not recognize himself. Who is it? He kept asking. The artist smiled but said nothing. As the beggar kept looking at the portrait, recognition dawned on him. Hesitantly, he asked, is it me? Can it be me? The artist replied, this is the man I see in you, the man you can be. And the man replied, well, that's the man I'm going to be. God sees not only what we are and have been, but what we can be, and by his Holy Spirit power, begin a work of changing and developing and using us. How numerous are the testimonies of those who experience God's saving grace. Johnny Cash, the entertainer, testified, a few years ago I was hooked on drugs. I dreaded to wake up in the morning. There was no joy, peace, or happiness in my life. Then one day in my helplessness, I turned my life completely to God. Now I can't wait to get up in the morning to study my Bible. Sometimes the words out of the scripture just leap into my heart. This does not mean that all of my problems have been solved or that I've reached any state of perfection. However, my life has been turned around. I have been born again. Oh, my friend, have you experienced that new birth through Christ? And then there is standing grace. And we find this in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will be my shield and portion as long as life endures. 
in that scripture, the words wherein we stand is in the perfect tense, which denotes past accomplishment and present permanent possession. Therefore, the word means we have had an unmovable foundation and we now permanently have an unshakable safety. Paul says, we have continuing asset, access to this security, and therefore we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that will come. Friend, it is significant that God has deposited the message of the gospel in the strongest and most perfect language in the world to declare that his word is our hope secure. Assurance of our salvation is the ground of our confidence, the source of our joy, the essence of our hope, and the motivation of our witness. Quote John's words with me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Yes, affirm that anew in your life today. Once a Swiss guide was leading a party along an alpine trail, a crevice that had developed in the path, and so the team hesitated to go farther. But the guide easily jumped over the precipice and then called for his party to follow. The first man stepped to the edge, looked down in the yawning chasm, lost his courage and retreated. And then the guide held out his great hand, his snarl, strong hand, and he said, look, he commanded, do you see this hand? This hand has never lost a man, and it will pull you to safety. Jesus holds out his nail-pierced hand to each of us and says, To you, do you, do you see this hand? This hand has never left a man forward. And so, my friend, we are saved if we're placing our hand in the hand of Jesus. But remember, we're not saved in the first place by our efforts, but through grace plus nothing. Our continuing salvation and security are in him and not in ourselves. I am saved not by what I do and not unsaved by what I fail to do, but it is by grace, no more of my efforts and works, but salvation, past, present, and future is through 
the grace of Jesus Christ. There is no other grace. This alone is the emphatic standing. This securing grace is the license not for sin, but for the great deterrent for sin in the life of the child of God who comes to Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so, my friend, as we have looked at amazing grace and what it has and is doing in the lives of people, I trust that you this day will experience, if you're not, have you have not already, that you will experience today God's saving grace in the forgiveness of the sin that you committed and in the life that he would have you live. And so I ask just now that you pray and bow before God and ask him for his mercy and grace and accept Jesus Christ into your life. Our Father, I pray for the thousands who have listened today, and may there be those who will respond to the voice of the Lord Jesus and accept the grace and salvation that he offers. In Christ's name, amen. We'll continue this sermon next week. God bless you. Have a great day. Goodbye.